Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 3,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 100 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Welcome back to another edition of Wrestling is Trash, a show where we talk a whole bunch of nonsense about professional wrestling, past, present, and future. Um, today is going to be a special episode as well as the last episode where we did um, our first watch along. We did a review of Russell War 1992 War Games, the Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. So um, go back and listen to episode, what is that, 10? Yeah, Tim, we're moving on up. We're in double digits now. And um, today it will be the first time that we do a post-show review. The show that we're reviewing today is NXT War Games 2. It just aired last night as we record. Today is Sunday, Survivor Series Day. Got a couple cool matchups coming up today. But um, a couple production notes first. You can follow this show on Twitter at WrestlingB trash you can also send your questions into the show for any other edition other than the special editions that we're doing right now but you can be a part of the show you can have your questions read on the show you can have them answered on the show you can have your voicemails heard on the show and responded to on the show ways you can do that is by tweeting your uh, tweets to wrestling be trash on twitter i already said that and um using the hashtag wit talk W-I-T-T-A-L-K You can send those voicemails into 304-825-5762 And you can send emails in You know, the ancient Aztec ritual of sending things via electronic mail <laughs> That's what it seems like to me But you can do that to mail at wrestlingistrash.com uh, We have a returning combatant today uh, My man Nick Anacelli And we have a new combatant Combatant you have a New Japan 20 count to introduce yourself and tell us how you become, uh, how you've come to know professional wrestling. When, when was your first encounter with it? And your 20 count starts now. Well, hey, B Rob. My name is Mike at Main Event Swerve on Twitter. And I had had wrestling buddies, as they call them, little uh, stuff, things you could beat up, you know, Hogan and Macho Man and all that. But really, my love of wrestling really started at the heart of the Attitude Era. Um, it was when Austin was stunning McMahon and the beer truck and all of that. Um, used to have kind of like a Nitro Raw party because I would watch Nitro from like, I don't know, 6 to 7 or whatever it was. And then I would watch Raw from 7 to 9 after that. And then it would just be dueling between the two. And so I loved the Attitude Era and the the blood and the you know, the, the issues and, you know, saying ass on TV and all those kinds of things. And it was just really enjoyable to see things that seemed real. Um, even though I didn't necessarily know that it wasn't real, you know, it was predetermined. So that just really fueled my love for wrestling and it never quite went away. Bam. That was like 20 seconds on the head, man. But I wouldn't really know that cause I wouldn't count for show. So <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But uh, gentlemen, we are here it's, it, to speak about that wrestling buddy thing, man. My my nephew, he had a motherfucking Hulk Hogan one, and I was so motherfucking jealous of him because he had a Hulk Hogan wrestling buddy, and I didn't have shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, gentlemen, the the, yeah, my- the topic of discussion today is NXT War Games 
2 is the second iteration. Last year, uh, me and my man Mike were live in attendance in Houston, Texas for the first War Games, and that's where we kind of met face-to-face for the first time. He wore my belt. I gave him a hug. We took pictures and shit. I felt like a celebrity because uh, I got to meet Mike. <laughs> and um, we just been chatting since. He stayed in my hotel room on my air mattress uh, for WrestleMania this past year. We went to Walmart the next day. That's kind of my thing. And um, we just been kicking it. So this is the first time having him on the show, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. too definitely. You know, and yeah, that's the time I won't forget because if it wasn't for Warren last year, I probably never would have gone to WrestleMania. You know, like I said, B-Rob, you're like the reason that I was able to make that happen. Um, and, you know, everything worked out for the best. And, you know, here we are at another War Games, you know, so it's kind of uh, full circle in a way. Yeah, it didn't, you know, Nick, I, he, I, I know him a long time. He, he, all right, he's just here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys need to buy your Mania tickets. I bought mine, even though I live in the area. So I know it'd be a lot, a lot of traveling for you guys. Yeah, I, I'm going to try to make it. I, I make no promises, but I mean, every WrestleMania I've, I've been to has never been a pre-planned thing. It's just been a spur of the moment type thing. I ended up getting pretty good seats. I'm uh, I'm like center ring, right? Facing like the like the Titantron and ring. Like, but I'm like behind the announce table, kind of where you were for uh, in Dallas, just not flat, like not on the ground. I'm like up like that first section. And that's that's the place to be, just to rise above the floor. That way, when motherfuckers yep. stand up, you can be over them and look over their hands and all kind of crazy shit. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> where I got. All right, so first match on the docket is what it was. Uh, Kyrie Sane trying to get her title back from Shayna Baszler, correct? Yes, that is a three-pause match. Yeah, so um, I open the floor to you first, Mike. What what did you, what was your thoughts on this match? You know, I think it was a really good match, um, probably the best that I've seen. And, you know, I've watched these women all the way back from the Mae Young Classic, you know, and they had um, nothing short of a classic there. Um, and that really allowed their, their rivalry to just spurn into this. And it's incredible that this feud has lasted this long. Um, and really, it's been interesting every step of the way. Um, I think that the kind of cheap shots and things like that that Shayna was doing uh, worked really well, um, played into the first fall. And usually what happens with that, you know, if you think about like WWE history is it kind of goes into a second fall that the, you know, protagonist or I guess fan favorite gets. And then often it's just back and forth. And maybe there's even some shenanigans and chicanery, but ultimately the good guy, so to speak, ends up winning. And in this case, there was just so much of Jessamyn Duke and Marina Shafir just doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. And, I was very surprised because what usually would happen if it followed the WWE like trope or WWE pattern would be that there'd be the insane elbow hit. And then that would just be it. You know, she would sort of overcome adversity. And honestly, um, the only thing I didn't really like was this whole kind of, I guess, three on three slash possibly setting up the women's tag titles set up where it's like Dakota Kai and Oh yeah. Io Shirai is there too. And I mean, it's like, she's a genius of the sky and that's great. But I don't necessarily think it was genius of the booking because it just just seemed like a cluster finish to me. Uh, even though it could have easily been just you know those women and Kyrie and maybe even just Dakota coming out and making the stop and then Kyrie ends up winning, but it just seemed too cluttered to me to end it. Yeah, um, in the vein of a uh, two out of three falls matches or whatever, I can only remember one to where. 
it went two straight falls, and that was I think like the Usos did a two out of three falls match with somebody or something like that. I could yeah, be I, think, I think it was the Wyatt or yep. someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, and there was there was one more the Shield. Um, I think it was the Shield against Evolution, and they just you know it was back and forth. But the Shield ultimately just dominated them. That's where Seth Rollins jumped off of the I guess the top of the tunnel. Um, you oh, know, yep. the wrestlers out from and things like that, and. I mean, that was a surprise to me because I think that easily could have gone another, you know, 10 minutes if they wanted to. Yeah. Yep. What did you think about it, Nick? Uh, I thought it was a good match. Like, uh, one thing I want to say, when it comes to war games, like Survivor Series time and Mania time, I always pay attention more to the NXT pay-per-views than usual because this is like call-up season. Yeah. So that's why I was kind of curious where they were going. I was expecting Kyrie to win because I was expecting maybe Shayna to get the call up. Obviously, she's not. She just won tub. But, yeah, the horse, I, I like the horsewoman. I like how they brought, like how you were saying, everyone out. You know, a little bit of a cluster, but I think the other horsewomen, they just need to work a little more. They're good, but they got to work a little more. Yeah, and that, that other one, the one with the braids, she got a um, nice little look to the face area there or whatever. I, that was my first time really getting a good look at it. I was like, hmm, hello. <laughs> I like, I like what I've seen. <laughs> might, might be a future combatant for Waterfall Mania. Yeah, exactly what I was thinking right there. Yeah, but um, I thought the match was okay. Um, I I kind of felt Shayna Baszler was going to win because I mean we, it is call up season. It, you know that thought didn't really enter my mind until later on uh, this mo- this morning when I got up. I was kind of just thumbing through thumbing through Twitter and everything, and everybody was talking about, oh, there's some rumored call-ups after Survivor Series. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. And, I mean, what you were saying <laughs> about uh, Baszler having a belt or whatever means she's not going up. I mean, we've had instances to where the NXT champion was on Raw television with the title still, you know? Yeah, you're right, Kevin Owens. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's possible. And I think it's weird because they put those two with Baszler already. You know, you would think that would they they would kind of lead up to that. They just automatically popped up and it was automatically by side. I mean, obviously they know who they are in the um, vein of you know they click tight with Rousey and all those other people. But I think it was just sudden. And who knows how long they've been working behind the scenes at the performance center? They already been doing road tours and everything like that. And then I believe uh, one of the girls' husband is Roderick Storm, so she probably been training hella long anyway. You know. Yeah, yeah that's Marina, that's Marina's guys. husband. Did you say? Yep. Did you say Maria Manunos? I just. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> no, yeah, no. I was just saying that that's uh, Marina's husband, yeah. um, Roderick Strong. Yeah. Um, if you remember when Roderick Strong was first wrestling, and I feel like he was trying to find his NXT before he got with the Undisputed Era, they would show Marina Schaefer or Shafir in the crowd, and a lot of times they're talking about like. Um, you know how, oh, she's, you know, she's a badass and she's an MMA fighter and, you know, you don't want to test her and all this, but she was like an eight months pregnant or she's over here with an infant and you're just thinking, um, I kind of hope she doesn't get into combat, you know, a lot of the indies were like Pete Dunne used a baby to like hit somebody or something like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, some crazy shenanigans like that. It, it, in all fairness, it wasn't like a, a baby baby. It was like a freaking 10 year old or something. So... <laughs> Okay, okay. Maybe, so maybe it wasn't exactly an imprint. You know, Twitter can be inaccurate sometimes. I didn't actually get to see it, <laughs> thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was the case. It, it, it was safe. No. It was safe. He just picked up a so 10-year-old what? and he had his feet out and he hit him in the face. <laughs> okay, yeah, 10-year-old. No, they were. That's, that's fine. 
you know they're just working with them because eventually Rousey's going to turn heel. So they're all going to come together at once, probably after Mania. Come together right now. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Over me. <laughs> I guess that fits. That yeah. fits. All right. Yeah, we will transition into the next match, which was, uh, um, well, we we kind of glossed over something. You know, Matt Riddle made his NXT uh, oh yeah uh, takeover that, yeah. Uh, debut or whatever. It was short and sweet. Hit uh, Ono with the knee, and he said Ono oh, and fell down, and that was over. It was pretty much <laughs> ten seconds <laughs> or whatever, bro. <laughs> but what you know. Despite the whole little flash, knee to the face, and you know the quick pin and everything, the thing that made me enjoy that the most wasn't the show and not seeing that itself, but Cassius Ono's tweet to follow it up, and it was like, "What happened?" <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I saw that a little while ago. Yeah, so I thought uh, I thought it was good. I think Riddle's going to be good as long as he stays out of trouble. Yeah, you can definitely see he's got that not attitude, but persona, I guess, to him. Yeah, and he had the um, the Bruce Lee mock up suit together. You know, the yellow joint with the black stripes. The crowd loves him. Yeah, yeah, and he doesn't wear shoes. <laughs> I like. I like he's how he's really good charisma he's, though. He's, he's got ring presence. I would say. You know, he definitely has that command of of the ring and just understanding the crowd and the cameras and everything else. I mean. I think he's already more prepared than Leo Rush was when he first started NXT. Mm-hmm. He gives me the uh, Rob Van Dam vibe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I just like, like how the, he does the, where he jumps and takes the friggin' slippers off. I don't know how he does that. Yeah, it's magic. <laughs> I think like I'd, like I'd really fuck that up. <laughs> Either flung, <laughs> flung them all in the crowd and shit, hit that ring announcer. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'd probably fall on the ground or not get them off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what was our yeah. next matchup after the um, uh, Alex the Black and Johnny Gargano, which was insane. Now, Johnny Gargano, not even the match quality, not even the the, the both competitors in ring uh, performance, just the fucking gear coming to the ring. You know, he had his Punisher esque uh, outfit, his little vest type deal, and then the tights. It looked like the Marvel Punisher logo, but it said Johnny. Uh, take over. Johnny take over. Yeah, that, yeah. Sh- that shit was amazing. I like that. And then Alistair Black had like the darkness sludge teeth coming out the skin, Necronomicon type coat jacket thing. <laughs> I love Alistair Black. The thing I love about him most is his entrance and his song. Mm-hmm. Dog, there, there is a video of me in I Lowe's. Love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Playing the motherfucking <laughs> Alice the Black song, running around trying to find a screw for a fucking. I forgot even what I needed that for. For my goddamn projector. <laughs> I mean, now that's random. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But this match, <laughs> this match. Um, I'm open it up. Uh, a whole bunch of counter wrestling in here, and it wasn't like a counter. I mean, it was counter wrestling to the point to where you know there was countering strikes and kicks and everything, but it was. Uh, more of a callback style type of match. You know, they did things to set up for the next segment of moves later on in the match. Like, you know, Alistair Black's signature thing is to where um, he does he does a suicide, where he does, he fakes the suicide dive, does a springboard into, you know, the Indian style pose. Uh, Johnny scouted that, you know, faked him out. And when he was down in the, um, in the sitting position, bam, hit him with the freaking um, low insecurity to the head and shit. So, Later on, when you thought that was going to happen again in the match, 
you know, Johnny did the same thing, tried to um, give him the fake out again, and he was ready for it, and then caught him with the kick to the outside. So, I mean, there was a lot of that stuff going on, and I really appreciate it. Even um, a lot of baiting each other in, like um, when Black was like, go ahead, give me your best shot, and he kind of rolled him up into a schoolboy. And then later on, Johnny was begging for the Black Mass, and he did the same thing to Alistair. So it was a lot of back and forth, and uh, I think they did it pretty well. Yeah, you know, a lot of times they talk about ring psychology and they say, you know, this guy is really good ring psychology, but really he's walking around and maybe he's like, you know, touching his head or like Triple H is usually, he's literally using a sledgehammer. They're like, oh, he's so cerebral, the cerebral assassin. It's like, no, he's actually just hitting him with an object, really. I think this match was far more cerebral than a lot of things that I've seen, you know, in WWE and NXT. And like you said, I mean, just to be able to set up for those moves and the the presence, like, you know, one sequence that comes to mind is when Aleister Black was thrown outside. He was trying to do his, I guess, backflip into the, you know, Indian fashion, you know, sit. Yeah. And Gargano pushed him over. So he falls down. And as the camera goes, it shows Gargano run against the ropes. And you figure, oh, man, here we go. He's going to go dive on him. And the timing of that was amazing. He does a suicide dive and he knees him, knees in, the him in the goddamn face. And that shit was just smooth as fuck, dog. I would have had like act like it, like I hit him, but then I didn't. Yeah. I mean, it would have been more of me jumping and catching him in the air, like cradling him with my body and shit. <laughs> Cause I would have like, missed like, all yeah, that. Those, those, two, those two black masks at the end were insane. Literally insane. Like he got a hundred percent of that in that. Yeah. He, he, oh yeah. He was making, like, I was he was like, making oh, up. Wow. For, like he, I did not. He was, you think, now, I guess I mentioned earlier the call-up. Do you think either one of these two get called up now or no? I think Black might have a chance, but I, I really, really think that none of these people should go up right now. Because, I mean, where would the they only be? one that a lot of people, which we're getting to in the next match, are speculating is Velveteen Dream. But I keep reading and like hearing on a lot of podcasts and stuff that I listen to, and I kind of agree. How many great talent are there in NXT, and then when they get called up, like, suck? Like, do you really see them doing something insane with Johnny Gargano? Yeah, I mean, like he, so you mean he, like he's under? Hey, I'm just saying he's under 205 pounds. I hope they don't yeah. waste him on that show. But and then Alistair Black, like I could see them doing actually something with him. Out of all the main roster right now, him and I guess I, I'm kind of biased because I said but and Ricochet, just because like. He can be a, you can tell they can make him a great heel and then Ricochet, he kind of looks the part. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, like Johnny Gargano small, even Ciampa, he's small. Yeah. Now, I'll ask you, I mean, if Black was to get the call up, um, I'll ask you both, which brand would he be most suited for, SmackDown or Raw? I want to say SmackDown. I could, because I was thinking about this earlier, honestly, like, because if they're going to call him up, usually when they have the NXT people get called up around this time, they have some sort of mania role. So I could see them maybe putting him with Nakamura because he is a face right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe a little little beef between him and Nakamura maybe for the United States title. Maybe. That's just where I, I think he'd be best suited unless he comes out. Because you know if he goes to Raw, what's he going to do? They have that Ambrose Rollins feud with the mid-card. He's not going to go right for the Universal. Mm-hmm. What, what about you, Mike? What do you think? Yeah, you know, I'm with Nick on that one. I think that he's definitely bound for SmackDown, or at least should go to SmackDown. You know, I think that there's less of a line there, and maybe he can renew 
let's say, a rivalry in a way, because he did fight uh, Cien Almas. So I want to say Cien oh, yeah. Almas, either Cien Almas took the title from him or actually Black took the title from Almas. I forget which one. But um, he took in any case, Almas. I feel like, I'm, I'm sorry, what, he, what were you saying? Yeah, he took it from Almas. Oh, he took, yeah, he took it from Almas. So I feel like there could be that, you know, that rivalry rekindled. But also, I just feel like there's different feuds on SmackDown that you wouldn't have on Raw. And Raw seems to be, I wouldn't say stale, but I mean, they do tend to repeat the same kind of things where it's like, you know, can Rollins beat Ziggler? It's only been nine matches between the two. Who will win the 10th? And it's like, I mean, you know, they're good matches, of course, you know, and, you know, it's not necessarily a bad uh, feud to watch, but it's the same matchups. Whereas I think that Black could really slot into some different things. I like the idea of Black versus Nakamura. And, you know, really there's, there's some other ones that come to mind. I mean, I don't know, who knows? Maybe it's, the battle of former NXT champions, you know, maybe uh, rude ends up being on SmackDown. Um, I actually forget what show he's on, to be honest. Um, you know, you have rude and, and then black, um, you know, or something like that. I, or, you know, even just the battle of former NXT champions with black and Nakamura, you know, that, that could be really cool. You no, know, it was funny to me just now when you brought up the possibility of maybe a match between uh, rude and uh, black. And I was, <laughs> I was thinking about, how they would announce that match. He's like, tonight we're going to have black and rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but rude, geez, they just need to turn him heel already. He's, mm-hmm. he's on the pre-show tonight. Captain of the scrub tag team match. I mean, with Gable, even though I think Gable's insanely talented. Yeah. They're both a waste of town in my eyes. Yeah. Now um, to get back to that, I mean, I'm, I would rather maybe him be in on SmackDown. But, I mean, I'm looking at the Raw roster, not physically right now, but I'm thinking about it in my head. And I would love, you know, even though I'm, I'm not too keen on Finn Balor, but I would like a, oh, I a longer feud with Alistair Black and Finn Balor. That way we can get, like, you know, this dark character in Alistair Black versus the demon within Finn Balor. And I think that would be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely. Good. I think that's a good call there. I didn't think about that one. I didn't think about that one, but that could make it all the more worth just having him on Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, I see Alistair Black as a Raw guy. It's just what kind of surprises me is obviously you know Triple H runs that, and then Vince runs Raw. Mm-hmm. Now I'm obviously a hundred percent like for it, but you know one thing about Alistair Black that kind of scares me when he goes up is that dude is so friggin' tatted. Like, do you see Vince wanting that guy to be what WWE is? Like, I don't know if he's not like biased towards it, but you know how even in like the modern world, people are like, oh, I don't, I think tattoos is unprofessional, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you think something as dumb as that might hurt him on the main roster? Well, well let's look at it this way. You got grown ass muscly men prancing around in their motherfucking underdraws and shit. So, I mean, I don't think tattoos is the least <laughs> of the motherfucking worry, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just you, you never know with WWE. Like, I, I could see. Tell me if you, say if you read somewhere that was the reason. Like, would it surprise you? Not really. But look, you got big ass Brock Lesnar with a damn dick sword on his fucking chest between his titties. <laughs> yeah, and then another one that I kind of was dumb about Undertaker. He's got two sleeves. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I'm not so much worried about it. Yeah, I mean, CM Punk was one of their longest reigning champions and he had all that shit on him, so. Yeah, it's true. Oh, Jeff Hardy. Brock Lesnar's kill-em-all tramp stamp. You know, usually don't see that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, Trump's really pulled up for his Jimmy Johns. Yes, it does. I think it's a kill-em-all, but it's a tramp stamp, guys. I mean, 
I guess the butterfly was taken, you know? Yeah. Too many butterfly tramp stamps had already been done. Dude has kill them all above his bunghole. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because, like, they always throw this word around, but if you really think about it, I, like, I know we don't know everyone on this planet, but I put Brock Lesnar in my top 10 baddest people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Him, Mike Tyson. Yeah. Uh, yeah, him, Mike Tyson. As much as, in a way, even though he's a lot smaller, you got to maybe throw, maybe, I don't want to sound dumb, but maybe Mayweather. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Mayweather. For um, his size. Okay, well, you guys know who Walter is? That, that indie wrestler? He's just this, like, giant guy. He just seems like he's, I don't know, a mix between, like, Batista and Andre the Giant, you know, with, with just, like, Batista-like agility, but, like, Andre the Giant, like, proportions in a way. I mean, this guy, he's massive. I'm at the look at him. Um, he, he could definitely be formidable when it comes to, you know, top 10 badasses. Sweet. I'm going I'm to look him up. Yeah. But um, all in all, it was a great match, and uh, we're going to roll into the next one. What was that? That was uh, Ciampa and Dream, correct? Yep, with yeah. Dream rocking the Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulk Hogan attire to the ring. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing <laughs> that for the past couple of um, takeovers or whatever, just wearing Hogan-esque gear. Yeah, did you hear about the one takeover? I don't remember which one it was. It was between this one and it was in 2018, obviously, but when he was, when he had the tights that said "Call me up, Vince" on them. Yeah, yeah, it was the last uh, takeover, I think. You think he got any heat for that? I, people were talking about he did, and um, I think they had like a backstage interview with uh, Triple H, and he was like, "I mean, it's bold, it's daring, or some shit like that." I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the, I don't remember the exact words, but he was saying like, "I mean, you may get a call, but it not be the call that you really want." You know, so just got to be careful about the things you do. That's pretty much what he was saying. But you know yeah. what? That goes back. As everyone says what he says, even on Stone Cold's podcast. That, if you ask me, that's a kind of comparison of reaching for that brass ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dude's 23. Yeah, remember, remember, what Triple H, remember what Triple H said about, um, I think it was CM Punk. And, you know, some of it was kayfabe and some of it, you know, was part of that, you know, reality era vein. And he had said, well, that's the thing. You know, all you have to do is please these people. You know, he said in one promo, all you have to do is please these people. You know, if you're doing the same thing, then maybe you should go back and do something else. You know, be something different, some character. You know, if you've been the same for 10 years, do something else. I feel like Velveteen Dream never stays the same. He's always evolving and changing. And like you said, I think he's, you know, elbow dropping for that brass ring for sure. Now, I tell you okay. what, man. The dude, even Triple H said it last night on his post thing with Kathy Kelly. The dude is 23 years old. Mm-hmm. So like, you know what I mean? Like, they can't blow that opportunity on him. Yeah. He's, they well, can have him for the long haul. Yeah, and then, I mean, we run into the thing to where, what, Sasha Banks was 23 years old when she got called up. <laughs> and, you know, the yeah, but she, she, you know, as of late, she hasn't been asked. But I would say, besides, I would say from when she got called up in 15, to the beginning around Rumble time of 18, she was pretty consistent. Yeah. But I mean, but you know what it is, I think, with the females that they have disadvantage on the males? With the males, they have the mid car. Like with the females, you're either in the title picture or you're not really on the show. Mm. Right. Yeah. And I but mean, yeah, they have longer matches now. But if you're not in the title picture, you're just in a six tag, eight woman tag. You know what I mean? Which is 
bad in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and that was the scuttlebutt that's floating around about these women's tag titles. I mean, give them something else to do. You know, me and Ajar talked about it on uh, two episodes ago to where maybe introducing a whole women's show on the network. You know, just all women, you know, their own set of titles and everything. You know, have some of the storylines play out on Raw and, you know, lead back into the women's show and so on and so forth. What y'all think about that? What I agree, but do you see that getting bad, like 205? It just depends on the presentation. It's because, like, all right, you got 205 Live, which is in um freaking main event, which is filmed at Raw and at SmackDown. So you either do it at the beginning of the show to where there's barely anybody in the arena, you know, everybody fidgeting around trying to get to the seat, get merch and everything before Raw or SmackDown starts. And then it's like, you know, nobody's really paying attention to that. I mean, they do phenomenal work, pun intended, but I mean, it's nobody's there to see it or to get invested in it. If in we all said it and it's been floating around the internet for a long time, take that shit off the live shows, throw it on the network and give it the full sale treatment like NXT. But I mean, we all say that like it's that simple, but we we just don't know the logistics and how they could pull off something like that. Side note yeah, before I, um before before Mike goes side note, sorry to cut you off. I do have the, the fun, kickoff yeah. show on right now, but it's on mute, but I do have the kickoff show on, so if anything crazy pops up on the screen, I will throw that out there. All but right. sorry, continue. Good to go. Okay. Um yeah, I mean I like the idea of the storylines like uh King Ajar was talking about and sort of blending between Raw and SmackDown and NXT because if we talk we always talk about you hear Triple H talk about every takeover it's a third brand. It's a third brand. And then it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily happen. You know, they talk about it like it's some foreign country. Um, when you watch, when you watch Raw or you watch SmackDown, Michael Cole goes, hey, you know, he's, he was doing some things back on the episode of NXT as opposed to it being a brand. And I feel like the women, the cruiserweight, et cetera, could be a way to really integrate NXT as a third brand where let's say some woman and they're, they're always tweeting each other too. I mean, Becky Lynch is over here tweeting. I think it was Mickey Cross and tweeting uh, Dakota Kai. And I think Bianca Belair is tweeted up towards like WWE people. So, I mean, I feel like it's easy enough to just spark feuds on social media and through the shows themselves. And so I just feel like they could do it pretty well. They don't necessarily have to even have the woman show and whatever they do, they should not do what they did at the beginning with the cruiserweights where you have these people freaking changing the ropes in the middle of the show. And, you know, there's all this purple light all of a sudden. And it's like cruiserweight time instead of just having a special match or something like that. They try to create like a different show within a show. Like it's that dumb Abraham Washington show or (laughs) the tonight show with Eric Bischoff or some crap like that. Hey man, the Abraham Washington show was the shit until he made that joke and got fired. No, but let's ask, as this, I guess our point kind of more of a simple yes or no question, but we keep saying NXT as a third brand. Now, do we say third brand as in like, like, so what, what, if that's the case, what's a call up? Cause obviously the call ups come from NXT, but are we trying to say like, like, how do you guys, I guess, kind of, I guess it isn't a yes or no question. How do you explain it more? Cause if it's a third brand, is it like, oh, well, superstar shake up, I'm going to NXT or is it kind of like, it's more solidified than just, hey, this is like the minor league. Like, I guess I'll kind of, how, how do you guys take it yeah, as when I people mean, say it should be a third brand? I mean, when I say, when well, they say it should be a third brand, it should be on par with 
Raw and SmackDown. And it should be just like how you said, you know, people from Raw and SmackDown can go to NXT and people from NXT can go to Raw and SmackDown. That's even par across the board. That would make it a legitimate third brand. But they also look at it as a third brand to where they go on their own tours and have their own pay-per-views just like Raw and SmackDown does, you know? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely see the point there, but I I would say that with that, I think about these people and I follow people that maybe I shouldn't even follow, like they don't have the greatest relevance in the world, but like Dana Brooke and some others have said, I just want to wrestle, or hey, you remember when I used to wrestle? Ty Dillinger tweeted something about (laughs) um, Throwback Thursday to when I actually wrestled, you know, and things of that nature. So just let them go to NXT, and there's general managers on all the shows. It's weird that suddenly NXT's on this island and the general managers don't talk and things of that nature. So if an NXT person wants to wants to fight the fan SmackDown and they're going to Atlanta, you know, two nights from, from a taping or something like that, then why not have them on that? You know, why not have them on SmackDown or something of that nature um, to, to have a match? And then it's weird, right? Because you have, what was it? Nikki Cross, uh, Peyton Royce also, or no, Billy Kay, she had her debut on SmackDown. It was supposed to be kind of like this big deal. Like, wow, she's coming up from NXT and then nothing. Just you didn't hear yeah. anything at all until, um, until the Iconics, you know, came around and then they were sort of like, you know, repackaged in that way with two eyes. Yeah. (laughs) I think I wrote a, I wrote an email to DDT wrestling over there. And, um, I told him um, that he had an iconic email reading voice and I spelled iconic with two eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you think, see how we say, Rob, see how you said NXT should have its own pay-per-views and everything. Now, I guess it's a two part question. So, if NXT did that, right, and had a monthly pay-per-view, do you think it would still be as hyped every pay-per-view would be as great as a takeover? Or do you think WWE's pay-per-views could be even better if they maybe did not necessarily only five, but say like eight pay-per-views a year instead of like, you know, the calendar 12 plus crown jewels and all that other stuff. So like kind of like, do you think NXT would still have that Insane, because think about it, every time a takeover's on, it always blows away the the main roster pay per view the next day. Do you think it could still have that effect if it's there's one every month? So you mean? Or do you think? Yeah, kind of. You could do kind of get around going. So you mean flip flop them? So have WWE well, do not, <laughs> not necessarily flip flop. Like, so let me ask this: I guess both of you. Do you think if NXT had pay per views every month, like a twelve month calendar pay per view, you think it it would be insane every month like it always is? No. No. What do you think, Mike? So, you know, the thing is, I feel like there could be, you know, as I was saying, more integration. Like, for example, I don't know if you guys know, you might be tired from watching wrestling, but guess what? Starcade is already happening next weekend, and we have no idea what the card is. No idea anything to that. So, I just found I feel out last like night. they could. I'm, so, I'm sorry? Yeah, I just found out last night. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, "Wait, what? Already? Oh, jeez!" I found out the and, ca- I found out the card today. Oh, really? Okay, man, you're you're ahead of the game, Nick. I mean, you're over here with the card for the show, and then the card for shows that we barely even learned about last night. Yeah, and so do we awesome. haven't even um, finished the card just, that we own right now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> but but I do think I'm it could be better, um, so that you don't have to do these throwaway matches where. There's sort of like a Survivor Series B-reel or B-side kind of match for the pre-show tonight. I mean, they should have like a contest where you could earn a certain amount of money if you can name the teams without looking. Because I, I can't. I honestly cannot tell you who's in that pre-show match. 
Um, and there's like 10 teams or something like that just to get them on the card. It's weird to me. Yeah. And see, and this is why I'm not opposed to having other shows on the network because it has it makes more room for other performers to go and wrestle and do other things, you know, so I don't know. But yeah, at the same time, everybody don't want to buy the network just to see the wrestling. You know, I, I think that's what the big thing is. That's why we got to have motherfuckers called up to Raw and called up to SmackDown and shit because not everybody just wants to turn on the fucking WWE network or pay for the WWE network to watch all that shit over there. I don't know. It's weird. I if do. You, I do. But if I, you say you're a wrestling fan and won't pay $9 to watch wrestling for $10 a month, <laughs> you're not a wrestling fan. Mm. Right. Well, I shit. agree with that. I mean, it, it really is, you know, I don't like it when they said, you know, it's like Netflix, but better. Like, okay, no, I don't think it's better, but in terms of wrestling, is it definitely kind of the best bang for your buck? Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. Speaking of a uh, bang for your buck, you can get a uh, power slam TV for five ninety nine. Just go to power TV and um, there's no promo code, but you can get a seven day free trial courtesy of the random switch. <laughs> Okay, that might be the better deal. Sorry, sponsor. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, let's get back into um the Velveteen Dream and um Tommaso Ciampa match or whatever. I mean, we we kind of went all over the place and strayed into some other things, which we can probably touch on again in another episode of Wrestling Is Trash. But um, this match was rough, man, and I mean rough in the sense of like how they handled each other, the punches, the slaps. The fucking uh, just the takedowns. It was like a rough ass match. <laughs> yeah, they they went to hell. <laughs> the thing that got me was damn. Uh, Champa had Dream in a fucking headlock, and he was slobbing on himself, and then he rubbed the slob all in his face and shit. I was like, ah, <laughs> gross. Well, you know what? But it's still it's still pretty tame compared to putting a screwdriver through someone's ear. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> A uh, earlobe that's already elongated and probably has no feeling in it. But yeah, <laughs> just hey, I that shit. finish to that match. By the way, the, the Hell in the Cell match a lot more than I could watch that screwdriver going in. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, it was it, that. It was just visually like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like the hand being born all over again, just like oh, or Katie Vick all over again. Oh, you know, <laughs> those kinds of moments. That are the reason that we have PGTV now. Yeah. But like um, we, we we spoke about it when we first brought this matchup. Uh, Velveteen Dream rocking the uh, Hogan gear and whatnot. Um, this dude, he, from what I saw, what I see is just like he gets in these matches and all his shit is old school until like the you know the coming to the climax of the match that's when he breaks out his own original moves and shit like that uh court wheel death valley driver and the freaking um that freaking that oh, that reach back behind whatever fucking type of ddt <laughs> whatever the hell that is is like a, <laughs> a sister abigail reverse motherfucker whatever the hell that is he don't whip, <laughs> he don't whip those out to the end because like i see he incorporates all those big marquee name styles into his character because obviously you know the look visually all right he looks like hollywood hogan but the tights is kind of like an homage to rick rude and everything he does the rick rude-esque net breaker and the hip gyrations um he had he did the Shawn michaels flying forearm 
where he rolls onto his back and does the kip up. He did that. He did the Hogan big boot and leg drop. You know, it's just like yeah. He did the I fought for that. Yeah, he did the flare, goddamn figure four, and the strut and the, and the knee drop and everything. He just he took all the legendary moves from all these iconic wrestlers and kind of made it into his own move move set, like the fucking the purple rainmaker. That's Macho Man, baby. <laughs> yes, I loved it. Oh, yeah. I loved it. And that's what I'm saying. He just like incorporates all that stuff into his skill set, but he doesn't break out his like trademark moves until like he really needs them and everything. Oh yeah, you know, other than that, it was like a swamp fest. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, everybody else was probably just like how I was. I was like, oh shit, that's the Shawn Michaels flying elbow. Oh shit, that's the Rick Rude net breaker. I was like, oh, I was just like spotting out all kind of shit and whatever. It's like the beginning of his matches when he does that. It's like if me and you were in the ring, like just intimidating other people's moves. And then he's like, oh, I know I can do a lot of cool stuff on my own, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of like, well, yeah, if, me, like if me and you ever got in the ring, it'd be like them dudes that go to the little bouncy house in the uh, ball pits and shit. <laughs> oh, I love those. Those guys are talented. <laughs> but um, a lot of counter moves in this one as well. You know, uh, Champa just uh goating him in, you know, trying to get the better of his emotions to um, you know take advantage of him and everything, and um the freaking the teasing of the DDT throughout the whole match until he finally got it at the end. Yeah, yeah, Champa he tends to get it right right at the end, just like with Gargano. I mean, Gargano he basically ripped up half the ring. I think it was in in Nola at that takeover, and then he ends up just getting like. DDT through the wood, uh, as we see the inner, the innards of a ring, you know, for the very first time, uh, for a lot of us. And I mean, it was just like the deadliest DDT of takeover besides, of course, when Tyree saying like nearly just ended Shayna Baszler on that one yeah. on the apron. Mm-hmm. Now, what, um, kind of threw me off about this match was, um, when Dream went for the elbow outside to the apron when, um, Champa was draped across the bottom rope and everything, hanging out the ring. I was like, that was kind of... Oh, that was ugly. Yeah, it was... I was like... No, it was just kind of awkward to where... He, I was like, how he had to position himself so he can hurry up and make that move happen. Whatever. It seemed kind of rushed. It was like, usually, when you set up for something like that, it's not that quick. You kind of placate to the crowd a little bit. You kind of take your time, drape your arms over the corner, and you look down at him like, oh, shit. And you kind of look at the crowd like, all right, I'm going to elbow this motherfucker. But it was just like Ciampa got hit. He went down. He immediately rolled to the bottom rope and Dream just ran up there and jumped off on his ass and missed. And I was like, okay. Yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was kind of like running the 40-yard dash. Like in terms of timing, it was like maybe five or six seconds or something from um, the elbow drop to to running and getting on the turnbuckle and then sort of repeating that. I mean, that was, that was pretty crazy um, how fast that sequence went. Um, I was thinking it was sort of the opposite of the Io Shirai spot where it was just like, oh, oh, gotta, gotta get it. Nope, nope, I think I'm good. Okay, now I can do the moonsault. The moonsault was good, but I mean, if you watched it without any kind of like editing or anything, it was probably mm-hmm. about 10 to 15 seconds before she did the moonsault. Yeah, and then like that's when you're freaking suspension of disbelief me to start to shrink be like, oh, she gonna do the, uh, and then you're like, oh, well, they're just going to stand there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, kind of like the war game spot. Um, you know, I feel like that was more organic, like you said, placating to the crowd because when Ricochet finally did that, it was just, you know, 
so much like organic and, and part of the process as opposed to like, oh, well, wait, they got to gotta get set up. Okay. Yeah. Woo. Good move. Yeah. Cause they did. They, yeah. They did. The big, so yeah. They did the big spot beforehand to where everybody was laid out and it made it like, you know, everybody coming together, like in a little <laughs> brawl and then it set up for the move and everything, which I mean, right. if y'all don't have any other words about this match, we can go ahead and get to the war games match and wrap it up. All right, yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, no, no, pardon words on this one, uh, Mike. Uh, just to throw something oh. in here, watching the watching the uh, kickoff show, I have it on mute, but the Raw women's team was all talking, and remember how Natalia and Ruby Riot are kind of beefing? Yeah. Well, they're fighting each other right now Sweet. while if the Bliss is trying to talk. They just had a little brawl. But it's broken up right now. Sweet. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm also amazed at the the timing of these pre-shows. I'm always amazed. I'm like, when you said the pre-show was on, I thought, oh, he's watching the takeover pre-show again. I said, oh, no, that's right, because it's like nine hours of wrestling, so the pre-show is already starting like halfway through the second football game, yeah. you know, or, or something like that. I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot of wrestling going on yeah, uh, so, before yeah. the actual main card. Yeah, as soon as two I... hours and then two hours and there's only one match, maybe two. They haven't really announced if the cruiserweight matches on the takeoff show or not, <laughs> but I imagine it is if it's a two-hour pre-show. Now, I heard it was on the main yeah. card. Well, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I, know. I would think I would think it'd be on the main one, but you know, sometimes. You know, stranger things have happened. I mean, even the cruiserweight title change one time happened where I think, I want to say Buddy Murphy beat Cedric Alexander in that. And I mean, there couldn't have been, but maybe like a third of the crowd filled. I mean, it was, I felt kind of bad for those guys. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I finish recording with you, I'm going to go watch a movie with the kid. Then I'm going to watch wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that, how long it is. I think it's smart to have cruiserweight on the main card to kind of spread everything out. Yeah. I believe so too. Kind of like, not, I'm but not saying working. like a, I'm not saying like a rest match or a filler match, but it's just kind of a good no. way to break up the card a little bit. Because yep. you have you have a SmackDown Raw, SmackDown Raw, then this Cruiserweight match, then SmackDown Raw, SmackDown Raw again. Yeah, and especially between uh, you know you know between let's say move styles and things like that. If you're watching AOP versus the Bar, let's face it, they're not going to do the same kind of high flying and unique moves as the Cruiserweights are. Yeah, correct. But uh, speaking of high flying and unique moves, the um, the main event, the um, War Games, uh, featuring Pete Dunne, Ricochet, and the War Raiders versus the Undisputed Era, gentlemen. What are your thoughts on this match? Amazing. Yeah, I mean it was it was just a phenomenal match, and I I feel sad. I found my NXT War Games shirt from last year, and I I love it. You know, I don't regret anything about what happened last year, but. I think that this totally outdid it in almost every way. Um, watching watching this match, I mean, from the storytelling to the weapons used to the spots to the just I guess theatrics of it, especially towards the end where you just have these you know men you know one ring and men in the other ring and they're just like, hey, you gonna do something? And then they just start beating the crap out of each other. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was amazing. It was worth every single minute watching that match for what, those that have not watched it yet. What, what made me I've laugh? Watched it twice. Yeah, what made me laugh is just kind of like this is where my suspension of disbelief meter started flickering and everything. When they was up on the stage, <laughs> when they was up in the stage on the cages, really, realistically, if they wanted to get out of that motherfucking cage, all they had to do is push it to the end of the stage and w- drop out the bottom or even grab it from the bottom and flip that bitch up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Braun Strowman with the, with the porta potty that time where he just like 
pushed it off the stage and it just landed and you know the guys was covered in I think it was blue, I guess 2000 yeah. flushes or something like that. He was covered in something. Yeah. Um that wasn't crap. But that, that that's what it would giggle me cuz like you can even see uh, at one point when um the undisputed area was getting ready to get let out of the cage. They was kind of like jostling around and pushing up against the cage and the cage started shifting forward. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> But, but it is. I thought it was clever what they did with Pete Dunn too, like locking him in there again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and then he got all the revenge in the world with that chain that they used to, to tie him. I mean, oh my goodness! I thought, I thought Bobby Fish, was, you know, and Kyle O'Reilly were going to like lose it. You <laughs> yeah. uh, know, the way that they played into those spots. Yeah. yeah, the way this was my first time actually seeing War Raiders in action, and they're great. I don't know if that was just a great performance at last night, but. I'm behind them. I even like how when they come to the ring, they get the whole crowd to chant war. Like, I'm I'm pretty big into them. Yeah. I've only, like I said, I've yeah. only watched them in this match, honestly. I'm, but from what I saw, I was very impressed. I don't know, like I said, you guys might know more. But, um, yeah. I've seen, well, I've seen Mike Rowe. Oh, go ahead, Rob. I, I've seen Mike Rowe by himself. And um, he, he's a badass dude. But um, I've only seen a handful of Hanson only in NXT. But um, together as a team, from what I've seen so far, yeah, they're pretty good. I like them. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you just kind of based on what I've heard. You know, of course, I like New Age Insiders, um, you know, just like I like, you know, this show. And New Age Insiders, they kind of know Chaotic Wrestling. And Tom Hansen was part of Chaotic Wrestling yeah. for, for years out there, right? So they've had full interviews with him and everything. And they say, you know, these guys are for real. They're War Machine. They were War Machine before becoming War Raiders which isn't as good of a name, War Raiders, but um, I can remember watching, if you watch early in their time in NXT, it's not necessarily worthwhile because it's just like, wow, they totally took out those 160-pounders, you know, what power? And it's like, okay, that's good, but it's kind of like early AOP, whereas, I mean, I got to tell you guys, I don't know about you two, but I definitely got to like hit the gym tonight because, you know, Todd Hampton probably weighs quite a bit more than I do, and so does Ray Rowe, and those guys have, 10 times, if not more, the agility that, that I do, you know? So, I mean, it's definitely some, some motivation to get in the gym, you know? Anyone, any size could do those moves. Yeah. That's some big dudes. What I did notice, um, yeah. you, you was talking about how they um kept Pete Dunn in the cage and everything. It's like, I had two things flashing to my mind. It's like, I didn't know if he was hurting. It was just trying to save him a little bit, you know, keep him out of the match as long as they could. Or it was just like, oh, yeah. they really, to me, it looked like they was really protecting him, like keeping him strong. I'm not talking about like in a Roman sense or whatever, but like, you know, <laughs> he is like the dude and he is to be treated like the dude. You know what I'm saying? And so it was like, they kept him in the cage. For 500 days. Yeah. They, they, they kept him in the cage. You know, they made the crowd want him to get in the ring so he can help everybody. And it just like it made him the bigger star, even though Ricochet had the moment of the match. I think Pete Dunn was like maybe the MVP. Yeah, 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 yeah quite, quite possibly. Because you uh, told me, guys. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Oh, no, no, you're good. You're good. Oh, no, I was, I was just going to say that, you know, looking at that poster, you know, looking at the five on five and you're like, you know, Adam Cole and Ricochet and all these guys, you would have told me that Pete Dunn was going to set up the finish. And then of course, you know, Ricochet did it too. That's great. But if he would be a part of the finish, I would have been like, Oh, come on. You know I mean? I know you guys like Pete Dunn, but come on, let's not go crazy. And he really was probably the MVP of this match. If not perhaps, 
I, I don't know, perhaps Ricochet, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think both of them can easily be MVP of that match. Yeah. I think, and then I think it might even set up for another match between Ricochet and Dunn later on. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sort of like a battle for supremacy, right? That they both won and they're both champions. They had them both at the top of the cage yeah. at the very end of it. So that's a good point. And I would love to see it, to be honest. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think they, 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 had, they had matches yeah. before, but it was never like a definitive match. It's like those two had a singles match against each other, title versus title. <laughs> Undisputed Era broke it up. Then they had the three-way with Ricochet and Pete Dunne. But, I mean, it was included with uh, Cole. So, I mean, it wasn't really like a definitive one-on-one match. So, I believe they'll have another one to be like, hey, this is mutual respect. You know, I got to prove that I'm better than you, blah, 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 blah. Let's have another match. <laughs> Yeah, yep. yeah. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me of, what was it? I think it was Nakamura and Zane that was kind of set up like that. It wasn't like, okay, well, you know, I hate you, Zane. I hate you, Nakamura. Like, no, it was just kind of like a mutual respect thing. And they ended up in the ring together at some point, um, but, you know, before that kind of feud started. And it was more like a respect battle for supremacy as opposed to, you know, heelish Nakamura uh, coming out, not wanting the crowd to sing, and he just punches Zane you know, in the balls pretty much, uh, (laughs) you know, it wasn't like that. It was this great, like mutual respect thing. And it was a pretty incredible, I think it was takeover Dallas that they did that. Yeah. Yep. I think that was Nakamura's debut. If I'm correct. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. 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 That That sounds right. Like I said, I, I think Ricochet is just insane. Like every time, like I watch him, it's like, he's just insane. Like every time, like even the little things he does, like when he was feuding with Velveteen Dream and just casually did a front flip out of the ring and landed on his feet. Yeah, casually, just like eh, yeah. This is a couple. Yeah, of like oh, I'm gonna jump, do a couple flips in the air, and land on my feet. Like if Vince blows him, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. And I, t- I, t- <laughs> yes. I tell you what, this, this is what I'm kind of excited about for the future. I mean, about time this dude come up, Ricochet may be gone to the main roster by then. But there's another guy. He's a fucking uh, Olympian out there, Olympian gymnast down at the Performance Center right now. And I've seen some videos of him oh. in the ring doing fucking triple gainer, double salt, flip, turkey shit, crazy. I, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's, I think he, well, he's on the gymnastics team, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. He, um, so he's got kind of that agility and skill set that like Casey Catanzaro has, but maybe not the American Ninja Warrior stuff, but I mean, he could probably do it if he wanted to kind of thing. Yeah. He, he is, um, I think engaged or boyfriend, girlfriend with, um, the, uh, oh, the, Bile. yeah, the um, Olympic gold medalist girl there. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's actually uh, Simone Biles to be honest. And yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, this, this is a guy who I think he's so dedicated that he's going to be amazing, you know, and he has, like I said, that skill set where if he just stays with it, he could be amazing just like Ricochet mm-hmm. is at this point. Because they, they already share banter back and forth on Instagram and Twitter. Like, th- there's videos of them cutting backflips and shit together and doing all kind of crazy junk. Oh, that's cool. Man. I got to start following and seeing that kind of stuff. I mean, that you know, that that's just always impressive to me. It's like, I mean, you know, Ricochet is always amazing. Yeah. Always amazing. You know, yeah. you always find new stuff when you think that you've seen it all. Like, oh, you know, what else could he do? Oh, that. And, okay. And what's but crazy about You know him? what? You know what I could see them doing with him? And gosh, I hope they don't. Is in a weird way, 
I, he's, I think he's more talented. I think this guy I'm comparing him to is amazing, but kind of like a Kofi Kingston. Like, I think they're, I hope they don't, but he's going to be that guy that is always going to be in the money in the bank ladder match, but never wins. Does cool stuff in the rumble. Like, you know, I could see that doing that, and I, I hope they freaking don't. Yeah. I mean, like, come, you said, you know what I mean? Because, like, it's, it's insane with the wrestling business. I think Triple H is starting to grasp it that, hey, it's over the era of Triple H and The Rock when they're all big dudes. Like, that's over with. That's over with. But sure. as you yeah. see, Vince isn't over that because Lesnar's still champion. You know what I mean? Strowman's in the picture. Roman was obviously in the picture. Like, you know? Undertaker and Kane still main event things. I mean, you know, think about that. <laughs> yeah, too. exactly. Yeah, exactly. and then, um, in that same vein, you talk about Kofi. Shelton Benjamin was that guy at one time, too, man. Yeah, yeah. Shelton Benjamin's still good. Like, I don't know. They need to let me do creative for one pay-per-view. I, I'll sell tickets. Yeah, I'd be like, all right, you cut a backflip here. You dive out over there. I want y'all to fall through the stage over here. <laughs> I'm just doing like, <laughs> it would look more like my WWE Universe mode than anything. <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah. For, I mean, people just being put through hell, you know, but it's so fun to just, you know, put those spots together. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that's it, man. Want to yeah, talk, yeah. talk about Survivor Series quick, run down the matches quick, and just, I think we should do predictions, just see who we think, and then by the time this gets on the internet and everyone listens, it already ended. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Okay. What, what uh, so the, the pre-show, I guess I'll start, I think I know the card pretty well. Uh, tag team elimination match with the tag teams from Raw and SmackDown. I think Raw, you, the captains are Gable and Rude. Mm-hmm. And then on their team, I think you, yeah, on that team, they have the Ascension. They have the Revival. They have Lucha House Party. And I want to say that's it. I could be missing out on one more tag team. If I am, let me know. Mm-hmm. And then SmackDown, you got the Usos as captains with New Day, the club. The Cologne, Insanity. My personal opinion, I think SmackDown is going to mollywop this just because of the people on their <laughs> team. Yeah. I, call, I call SmackDown as well. I agree. Yeah, it's, it's SmackDown all the way. And then they make it interesting at that time. But yeah, I think SmackDown is definitely going to win that one. Unanimous. Then, uh, then we'll do Cruiserweight. you got Buddy Murphy and Ali. Um, I'm going Murphy. I, I'm saying Murphy too, man. I know they building up Ali as this thing or whatever, but I don't think this is the one for him. I I, I still I'm sticking with Murphy. Yeah, I think on the WrestleMania moment, and I'm not sure exactly who he beats, but I'm pretty sure Murphy. It's early in the run, so they keep it with Murphy. Yeah, because I, yep. I think I think they playing. I think they still playing up the friendship between Murphy and Niece, and I can kind of see Niece maybe coming in to help Murphy out. Yeah. Then after that. Um, there's changes to it. Literally just happened while we were on the podcast. I'll explain it in a second. But the women's match, I'll start with SmackDown. You got Asuka, Carmella, Naomi, and who's oh, Sonya Deville, and they still don't know who the fifth person is. So obviously it's not Charlotte because she's taking Becky's spot and Becky's heart in general. So I'm, assu- I'm my guess, I'm going to go with Mandy Rose. Mm-hmm. Or oh, unless they have like some crazy legend come back, which I don't know, but. I'm going to go Mandy Rose and then Raw. Uh, you have Nia Jax, Tamina, and who was the other one they had so far? Because it's not like the last one. Give me a second. They had, Mickey James? Yeah, Mickey James. And then it was supposed to be Ruby Ryan and Natalia, but due to that brawl that I just told you guys about, they're actually both taken out of the match. Ooh. Oh. So I'm, I'm going to assume, so I'm hoping Sasha and Bailey. Maybe. 
So it's that oh, okay. part now because I was I was all SmackDown before that. But if they throw Sasha and Bailey, but I think I'll stick to my ground and I think I'm still gonna go uh, SmackDown on this one. I'm I might go I'm gonna go Raw. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm actually gonna go with Raw too with that kind of shakeup of Sasha and Bailey in there because I think that they may want to play towards them being the tag team champions uh, if the women's tag title thing happens. And so I feel like Sasha and Bailey can kind of like break through, kind of even breakout stars. So it becomes um, a storyline thing that could lead into that later. Okay. Okay. Then next you got Rollins and Nakamura. I'm going with Rollins via DQ because of Ambrose. Mm. I got to agree on that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got to agree on that one. So, do you think Rollins is going to win because of Ambrose, or you think Nakamura is going to win because of Ambrose? No, I think like Ambrose is going to come into. I don't know how, but he's going to end up being the shit out of Rollins, and that's going to cause the disqualification okay. for him to win. I got you. I, I feel that. Yeah. 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 So I'm still. Then, be, uh, I'm still be different and pick Nakamura anyway. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we all got that one. Then um. Then you got Charlotte and Rousey, but before I go off on that, uh, Becky was really obviously, and I think everyone's upset over the injury, mm-hmm. but a lot of sites are reporting that Vince and Ronda already agreed and confirmed it's going to be Becky and Ronda's going to happen at Mania. Mm-hmm. So I think we should all throw in our little mm-hmm. opinion here though, quick, quick. I think they should have Becky for some reason vacate the title, keep her off the title. I mean, keep her off. TV until the Rumble, have her win the Rumble and eliminate Naya to get that kind of revenge. But my pick, I'm going Rousey. You going Rousey too? For, for tonight, for tonight, I was just that's what I think they're gonna do and should do with lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, Who do you guys got? I think maybe Rousey as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that she ends up winning because maybe there was the plan for. For Becky to win, just you know, because she's like on this you know red hot streak, but they don't necessarily want to do the thing with with Charlotte yet, or you know, Charlotte getting over on Rousey. I mean, I think really they didn't want the two to really do anything. Um, let's just say thinking that they had Rousey and Charlotte penciled in for Mania before Becky had this like meteoric push, uh, you know, just kind of like by her own accord. And so I feel like. Uh, you know, I feel like they're going to stick with Rousey at this point. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this during the life of this show. I mean, we only 11 episodes in or whatever, but I've, I've said it on even when the pipe bomb was around. This could be within five to 10 years, um, the first females to main event of WrestleMania. Then with the current events of the last year or two, my window has shrunk from five to 10 to goddamn one to freaking three. You know, and I thought that would be the yeah. match that would main event. It would be Rousey versus Charlotte. But now that we have this shakeup and this switch and everything, I mean, you're right. I mean, I believe Becky and Rousey at WrestleMania, if done right, could be the one that main events a WrestleMania. I think it's going to be. And, you know, and here's how I'll tell you from like, I'd say I'm a pretty average fan. Going into it, I was talking to my boys who were going with, and I even before this, I thought Rousey and Flair was going to main event. And I was like, dude, you already know what's going to happen because it's WWE. They're going to have Rousey's first loss to the Charlotte, and I'm going to be pissed and go home pissed. So I love Ronda Rousey. I loved her in MMA, even though she got her ass kicked in the end. Just I love the aspect of Ronda Rousey. But now if they go with the Becky role, even if Becky wins, like I'll be that person cheering both of them when they come out, cheering the whole match for either one. It's not like whoever wins, 
I'm still going to lose it for. Yeah. And I think that's better. I think that's better for everyone. So I bet you that's how a lot of it's going to go, even though I think Becky will be the fan favorite if, in Mania. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what we got next? And then the next, uh, I'm going to try to go in match order because I think, but anyway, next you got Lesnar and Bryan. Uh, Obviously, Daniel Bryan, new champion. Mm-hmm. I'm just going with Lesnar. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a squash. Yeah. But I'm going to go Lesnar. Well, th- this is this was the thing. Everybody made up a whole hood of blue. Is like, all right, how you got a heel versus heel? Brian just turned heel and all thing. I mean, in in, the, in for this show, for purposes of this show, I mean, it, I I feel like this is almost like a one off since they're playing it as this is Raw versus SmackDown or whatever. None of that shit really matters because I mean, when is the next time you're gonna see Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar? Probably, you know, never, never, maybe. But um, yeah. it's just like. It doesn't matter who's who because everybody wants to see Brian. Everybody wants to see Brock. And um, just the heel shit that was done on SmackDown is just exclusively exclusively for SmackDown. You know, so it's just like, all right, he's heel. And it was they left us on a cliffhanger. We won't know what's going to come of that until after Survivor Series. You know, in, in my in my thinking, me personally, I thought like, you know, just what y'all said about Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, I thought this was going to happen with uh, the Daniel Bryan and Ro- Brock Lesnar match because we don't know why Bryan did what he did. There was no re- way to resolve it now since we had Survivor Series. So I thought AJ was going to come out and cost Bryan the match. So then it spills back over into SmackDown and it's like, why'd you do this? And then all this other bullshit over here. But, I mean, purely, this is just a super show. So, now you're going to get matches that you thought you would never see because they have a brand split. And it doesn't fucking matter who's heel or who's face or whatever because it's Raw versus SmackDown. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I see Brian pulling off the episode. You know, maybe because they you know, want him to be sort of bigger as the champion since Brock Lesnar already had the crown jewel moment. Um, and, you know, of course, it's kind of weird to bet against Lesnar because he rarely, rarely loses, but I think because it's a one-off and because perhaps they want that sort of like yes moment, um, they'll allow Brian to go over in this case. Who, who, here's the telling sign. I haven't been paying attention to the Heyman promos or whatever, but like I tried to take the whole thing from a character's perspective. If you were advocating for Brock Lesnar and you had your choice of two opponents in Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, Looking at it for your client, who would you pick for Brock Lesnar to fight? I mean, I'm not talking about for a phenomenal match, pun intended again, or an easy match. So my client can go in there, whip ass, go the fuck home, collect the paycheck. Who would you pick? Daniel Bryan. Exactly. So that's So that's kind of what I had. That's what I was thinking about when Paul Heyman came out there and kind of stirred the pot between them two and, you know, kind of made that thing happen. But um, it's just like in well, heart- kind of like he beat Kofi Kingston and Beast in the East, the super heavyweight Kofi Kingston. The Brock Lesnar was somehow able to beat three and a half minutes. Yeah, just like yeah. how big he is. You know, <laughs> but this is just um, it's crazy, man. I mean, in my heart of hearts, I want Daniel Bryan to win, but I also feel like there's gonna be some sort of shenanigans or. And I, I also don't want it to be a Brock Lesnar beat this motherfucker up match, you know? <laughs> yeah, it would yeah. be a good you know, back and forth. And, of course, you know, me just kind of tired of the whole Lesnar thing. 
you know, and I feel like with Roman Reigns leaving, and that was when they sort of hit the panic button, you know, and they said, oh, we'll just put it on Brock, you know, until we need it. And this is my thing. Um, and I feel like that's kind of where we're at. This is my thing as well. Depending on how this match is played out, this could be the the whole age-old question thing or complaint that everybody has had for this whole time. A smaller individual going up against Brock Lesnar and having a competitive match. If they do it that way, there's no excuse for Finn Balor not to be able to have an opportunity to go for the universal title. Agreed. So, I mean, yeah. it, it just depends on how they play their cards tonight, you know? <laughs> and, you know, yeah. don't forget that Finn Balor has been champion. I mean, he was the first universal champion despite the injury and perhaps the squeamishness that Vince and, you know, creative had after realizing he got injured, you know, kind of so quickly, maybe they didn't want to, you know, pull the trigger on that, so to speak, but they have put, you know, the rocket ship to Finn Balor before. And that's the thing, though. Let's think about this. You talk about injury and they might be scared and squeamish of his injury. Finn Balor was out for what, eight, nine months with a bad shoulder. Daniel Bryan was out two, three years with a fucked up head and shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so if they get they put the belt on Brian and now he about to fight Brock Lesnar so I mean what's the excuse for Finn <laughs> I just don't think Vince likes him not maybe as a person just everything about him for some reason mm. the end of the day the things happen one I do believe the crowd has a say in it but Finn he makes those calls you know what I mean Mr. Man he makes those calls so it's like you know yeah but uh Next, you got AOP in the bar. I'm going to go AOP. Yeah, I want to go with AOP, too. They need it on the fresh, young, fresh guys. Yep. Yeah, I I would say the same thing, you know. And the thing is, I mean, they weren't barely being pushed. I mean, I was, I I remember looking and saying, wait, they won, they won the tag titles? What? Like, I totally didn't expect it because they're barely on TV. And when they were, I remember it was, I want to say it was, it was Akum. I don't remember uh, who it was exactly, but he was in the ring and someone comes up and they say, if you come in this ring, you're going to teach me a lesson. What? It's like, oh, you had one line, man, one, and you screwed it up. Yep. And then <laughs> next, last, you got the men's traditional Survivor Series elimination match. Team Raw, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, Finn Balor versus Team SmackDown, Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Shane McMahon, The Miz, and Rey Mysterio. I don't know. Mm. I want to say Raw because I was doing the math. I think there's only six Raw versus SmackDown matches. I'm going to count again. I'm on a website right now. But well, I'll let you guys go while I count. But I'm pretty sure it's only six. So I don't know how. Usually with Survivor Series, they always make it come down to the last match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Three, I'm at three, four, five, six. Oh, no, 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 no. There's, uh, there's seven. Unless they count. I'm assuming they'll count the, take, the kickoff match. So there's yeah. seven. Yeah, they, they count. I don't kickoff. know where I want to go because I mean, looks on paper, it looks Team Raw clear as day. Yes. But with, Drew, uh, with Baron Corbin being the heel and feuding with Braun, and I don't, I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm gonna say, say Raw. Smackdown. I'm gonna say SmackDown. Random I'm actually gonna fuck. say. 
Well, I'm, I'm actually going to say raw just because of the whole on paper thing. I also understand that on paper Lesnar would probably beat Brian, so it's weird to go against that. But I just feel like Raw has a lot more momentum when it comes to that. I do feel like they're still kind of building up the McIntyre and Ziggler push. And then the other thing is, if they care, I don't know if they do or not, or if Crown Jewel is just a one-off, but remember, the best wrestler in the world is in the match, Shane McMahon. And the other person, Dolph Ziggler, um, was the person who's almost best in the world. So maybe they want Ziggler to go over McMahon. And so you have, I guess, the rubber match between who's really the best wrestler in the world, despite how ridiculous that sentence was. Yeah, I don't know, man. What do you got, Rob? I don't know. I said raw, but um, All right. now, I really don't know. Let's throw a little spin in there. Who do you guys think? So, who do you think is going to be the sole survivors for um the the main for that match? For that, for that, yeah, for that match right there. So you said raw. Who do you think are going to be the last one, two, whatever? Who do you think? Uh, shit. What was those names again? You got on Raw because that's who you pick. Yeah. Lashley, McIntyre, Strowman, Ziggler, and Balor. Is either going to be McIntyre or Balor? I can kind of. Uh, yeah. who, who do you got on Raw? Um, I don't know. I just I, I know like I said, it was a weird sentence for me to say, but I still feel like Ziggler will be the the sole survivor, just like they did before. But in this case, it won't be like he has to come back, you know, one against four as he did years ago for sort of like team WWE or something against all the, all the heels or whatever. Um, but whatever the case may be, I do think that he ends up being the sole survivor, maybe because of McIntyre. Yeah. Uh, maybe he sacrifices himself or something like that. And then Ziggler ends up being sole survivor. Or vice okay. versa. My, my team on going for some reason, the underdog Mysterio. Oh yeah. It could be sort of like little engine that could kind of thing. Yeah. I, I could see that. Yeah. Pushing for them. Or yeah, I'm, I'm going Mysterio. Or, or uh, Shane and uh, Ziggler is in the ring, and Ziggler goes for the super kick, and he pushes Mysterio in front of him and he gets him eliminated, and Shane McMahon wins best in the world. <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. That's like the last person I want to win, but I can see him doing it. Yeah. But, hey, I mean, that's it. That's a Survivor Series card and the NXT review. I appreciate y'all giving me your time and going over the cards with me or whatever. Good, good time. Good yeah, time. thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, and for everybody that's listening, I hope you're enjoying uh, whatever day it is that you listen to this because this might be out after the Survivor Series pay-per-view. It might be out before. I got to go watch movies with my kids so, or whatever, but um. <laughs> It'll work out. Make sure you go to wrestlingistrash.com and you can listen to all the previous 10 episodes, including this one, which will make it 11. And um, go to wehavemerch.com and look for randomrobcast.com. I mean, not randomrobcast.com. Randomramblingswithrob.com and you can find some uh, Wrestling Is Trash merch on there. I got some shirts up there. So check it out on out. And um, on behalf of myself, and uh, Nick Anacelli and Mike Main Event Swerve. We'll see you next time. <laughs>